on your PC, iPod or smartphone. This is the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. Coming up on the 26th episode of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast for 2017, we catch up with basketballer turned Boxall Hawks footballer Chantella Pereira, GB Swans captain Laura Turner, Bulldogs AFLW recruiter Paige Cordona, plus our State League's wrap with Matthew Cox, Lauren Hodgson and Alison Schiller. That's all coming up on the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the 26th edition of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast for 2017, our third season of doing these podcasts. And a quick reminder, you can listen to this podcast as a radio program from approximately 6pm on Wednesday evenings on RSN Carnival, that's digital radio in Melbourne, or by downloading the RSN Racing and Sport app and clicking on Carnival. Our first guest for this week, many of you may know as a champion basketballer in the WNBL. While recently she switched to trying her hand at footy and has been doing fairly well as a defender at the Box Hill Hawks. It's great to have on the line Chantella Pereira. Chantella, how are you? Good, thank you, Rita. Thank you for having me. Great to have you on the line. Now, you've had much great success in the WNBL. Why have you chosen Aussie Rules Football? Um, yeah, good question. I think, um, yeah, I've just kind of jumped on the trend and I thought I'd give it a go. Um, I guess I've had a good run at basketball and achieved lots of things. And, um, yeah, I just kind of thought it looked like a good opportunity. And, um, yeah, I'm really, I guess I, I love watching the game. I'm probably different to the other girls. I haven't grown up playing it. But, um, yeah, just I thought I could um, have something to offer a team. So let's take a step back for a moment. So unlike some who um, uh, took up the game at Auskick or played under 10s and under 12s, and back then, of course, for that age group, it was a case of, no, you had to stop by a certain age when it came to girls' footy. So for you, you never actually played as a junior. No, no. So I, um, I guess I've always been entrenched in the basketball world. So from, I guess, four or five, I just kind of always had a basketball in hand. So, yeah, never never did Auskick, never... I mean, played her a little bit at school, I guess, when you just have, like, the odd thing. But, um, yeah, not not really ever picked up a football before before playing with um, Box Hill. Prior to the start of AFLW, had any of it caught your attention? Would it have been the exhibition games where it had been the draft? Had any of it caught your interest? Or was it until it got going that you thought, maybe I should be having a go at this? Uh, no, I definitely had a keen um, interest in that. I guess I just love watching women's sport in general and, you know, big um, big uh, activists in that area and I think, you know, it's great what they've been doing. So I've been following it um, pretty closely just from a fan's perspective. Um, yeah, so I guess watching the girls play in the exhibition matches and um, I guess watching it come to light, I kind of work in this area a little bit too, so knew a little bit about it. So, um, yeah, I definitely knew... Um, lots about it, just haven't really ever jumped in. Um, but I think, yeah, when I saw the opportunity come up, it seemed to kind of make sense um, as you kind of think about what you want to do after you've been in one career for a long time. And, of course, the Box Hill Hawks are famous for having, I think it was like 140 women try out for their initial squad on that day at Waverley Park. Is it intimidating looking around, seeing 100 women, thinking, do I have what it takes? <laughs> Yeah, it was. I mean, um, I guess I'm so much older than a lot of those girls and you're playing basketball for such a long time. You're used to being, I guess, used to the sport, used to, you know, what's going to go on. And um, I think, yeah, I've been pretty nervous across the whole board, you know, throughout the season, even when you take the field each time. Um, You know, it's a whole new 
it's a whole new arena for me. Um, so yeah, it is quite it's quite different, but I think um, yeah, you just take confidence in what you can do, and then yeah, hopefully, hopefully you can execute it okay. Do you remember your first conversations with the coach Patrick Hill? Um, yeah, so I actually I had a bit of an interesting start because I actually got married towards the end of last year, which was um, during the tryout, so kind of wasn't around as much, um, so I missed a fair bit. But um, yeah, I managed to get down a few times, and and um, yeah, Patty was really good and really open and honest. So um, you know, at that stage, I was still deciding whether I wanted to play basketball or footy, and just kind of kept going. And um, yeah, Patty's been really good about you know just he's very um, good at communicating on where you are and what you need to work on. So. Um, yeah, it was, it was it was a good. It's good been a good experience learning from him. Coming into the game for the first time, did you have a rough idea of the type of footballer you wanted to be, and and was it a surprise or expected when you were picked out to say we'd like you as not just a defender but more of a tagger, someone who's actually going to stop players? <laughs> I'm probably pretty surprised. Like to be honest, I was just really happy to make the squad and then really honoured to be part of the team. So to get us to play, um, you know, a, a role like that is, um, yeah, it was pretty surprising. But um, I think that's probably, you know, Paddy found a strength of mine and, and that, you know, I could go out there and I knew that's what I could do for the team. So um, I think giving me a task like that probably takes the pressure off because I know that's what I can do. So, um, yeah, it's, it's it's been, yeah, pretty, you know, you feel pretty um, honoured to take on a role like that. Some of those girls, are, I mean, all of them are amazing athletes and amazing footballers. So um, it's been a hard task each week, but um, hopefully I've been learning each week and getting better. You've taken on the likes of Bianca Jacobson, who, of course, played for Carlton, now playing for Melbourne. She was an opponent when she was playing for Cranbourne. You've taken along and held to one goal, Darcy Vessio, of course, the uh, the NAB AFL leading goal kicker, who, of course, plays for Carlton and plays for Darabin in the VFLW. Um, do you think you have an advantage when you take them on that because these women have been on TV and playing AFLW, you can sit down, you can watch video, you can know more about them that they'll know about you? Yeah, I guess I'm a bit of an unknown to them. Um, probably not much use watching me play basketball for them. Um, but, yeah, it's it's been good. I, I, I definitely um, have a look at how they play. And, I mean, that's part of, our, I guess, our pre-game, you know, preparing and watching film is, is part of all of our games. So um, I think the coaches and um, the leaders of the team and the girls that know how those girls play have done really well in, in helping me understand how each of them play and what their strengths are. So I've leaned on that a lot. Um, and I guess, yeah, it's lucky for me that there's a lot a lot about them and um, I, people can share the knowledge uh, rather than they probably don't know a lot about me, but um, they're, they're pretty exceptional players. So, um, you know, they've done, they've done well each week too. Up until a week and a half ago when you played Seaford, you hadn't cracked it through for a win at that stage. What had the leadership group been doing to try and keep things going? Uh, particularly there's some girls in the group who played for Knox who had a, a pretty tough year the year before when they only won one game. What was done to try and keep things positive? Um, look, Patty's been awesome and, and the whole the whole group. Um, you know, I think although we hadn't had a win yet, I think we had a really good energy about the whole our whole team and um, the club in general, everything's been upbeat and, um, you know, we've, we've been improving each week. So I think 
who's done a really good job in making sure we focused on how much we improved and not getting down about just seeing the win or loss on the scoreboard. Um, you know, as a young team into the competition for the first time, I know a lot of the girls played in Oxford, it's our first time as, as a Box Hill team together. Um, it's really good that he's helping us see the bigger picture. So, yeah, I think um, there's a lot of talent there and there's a lot of opportunity and future. So helping us see that, I think, kept us upbeat. And, and the fact that we're doing better each week, I think, you know, we, we did well against Arabid and we did, you know, pretty well against Diamond Creek. So um, it was good for us to see that and we know that there was a chance we could win. So going into Seaford, we, we had a lot of positive energy, um, which, you know, was started by the coaches in the leadership group. Do you recall in your mind the moment the final siren sounded or the post-match celebrations when finally the drought had been broken? <laughs> when uh, when Chrissy Shadding kicked that goal, I was pretty happy. Um, yeah, that last two minutes of the game was, was uh, pretty intense. But as soon as that siren went off, it was, yeah, I think I almost had tears just of kind of relief. I guess we've been working pretty hard since, you know, November, so... It's been a really long time and it was um, just a really nice feeling because I know how much the club and the community have got behind us and it takes a lot to put up a brand new VFL team. So um, there's a lot of people involved, you know, more than the 22 on the ground. So um, it was just, yeah, it was a really nice feeling of all the things I've achieved in my career in the sporting field. It was, um, yeah, it was a really special moment. So it was, um, yeah, I'm pretty grateful to be a part of it. And just quietly as well, you talked about the community getting behind you. What's it been like having the girls from the Outer Sanctum as your uh, club patrons, your number one ticket holders for the women's team? Yeah, they're um, they're amazing. They're fantastic. Um, yeah, the girls, I went to a Hawthorne luncheon the other day and um, they were emceeing. And, um, but yeah, they're just such great advocates for the sport in general. And then of Box Hill is just, um, yeah, it's really nice. They've got a really good voice and... They're um, so keen to talk about us and represent us and um, they're so supportive, which, you know, you can't ask for more as a player. So um, it's really nice to see them, yeah, behind us at every moment and, and not just us, the whole league and, and women's sport, which is which is really cool, really cool to see. What's the plan for you from here for AFLW 2018? Has it been putting the hand up for any of the tryout days, for example, that have come along from the Bulldogs or Melbourne, or is it you're just going to let the VFLW form uh, present itself and just throw your hat in the ring once uh, nominations open up in September? Um, yeah, good question. I haven't thought about it a lot. I guess um, for me, I just wanted to take every week as it came and see how I could do it. It's probably all come a bit of a surprise, to be honest. Like I, I, I guess I didn't really expect to play such a big role. Um, yeah, as I said, I just have to be a part of it. But um, yeah, of course, I'll put my hand up. I probably, you know, need to have a chat with Patty and see how I kind of see it. And I, I've got so many things to work on. But yeah, obviously, um, I would love to play. And um, yeah, if the opportunity arose, um, yeah, it would be an amazing chance. So it's a pretty, um, it's a pretty cool thing that's happening. And yeah, hopefully, you know, I've got some skills that I could um, give to a team that would help them. Um, but yeah, I just, I'm really happy to be part of Box Hill and, and just kind of keep working on my game and help them get better. Well, Chantella, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy. We wish you all the very best throughout the remainder of the 2017 VFLW season. And then fingers crossed for upcoming AFLW 2018.
Awesome. Thanks so much, Peter. Our next guest is just days away from jumping on a plane and heading down to Melbourne to take part in the 2017 AFL International Cup. She is the captain of the GB Swans. Her name is Laura Turner. Laura, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Peter. Just think about those words in the back of your mind that you'll soon be arriving in Melbourne. How does that feel to be there to represent your country as captain for the International Cup? Oh, it's just, it's so exciting. Uh, It feels like it's been building up for, well, over a year now. um, And it's all finally coming together. We found out the plans, we've got our schedule. Knowing exactly what we're going to be doing is just unbelievable. We're really, really looking forward to it. Can't wait to get out there and just so pleased that, I mean, I mean, me from a personal point of view that I've managed to stay fit and I feel like I've really peaked at the right time and looking across the squad, the same can be said for, for the whole squad as well. It's uh, really, really exciting. Before we get into the whole squad and the whole preparation, since it's making news, I might as well bring it up. You're an English woman. Uh, you've also been captain of the England Vixen sides. Have you been caught up in the whole fever of the English women winning the Cricket World Cup over the weekend? Oh, yeah, it's just unbelievable. And the thing is, because from a, I mean, I know you guys all think that England's this tiny country, which I've got relatively, of course, it is. And, you know, we all kind of know of or know personally some of the ladies that are involved in that squad um, because of training and locally. And, you know, they do a lot of stuff at Loughborough, which isn't far away from, from Nottingham, which is where we live. So it just brings it home even more. What they've achieved is just phenomenal. Um, and I think we can learn a lot from, from women's cricket and particularly what's going over in, on over in ours with pay parity and all those types of things in women's cricket. It's, it's really, really great. And it just feels like women's sport is gaining momentum and it just keeps happening. The success of women's sport is just amazing, particularly from an English and a British point of view. And just quickly on that as well, we've seen in social media the posts of the photos of all the English newspapers, all just back page, front page photos of that victory. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it took a while to get going um, and it's been, it's the same really with, uh, we've got the soccer tournament going over here at the moment. We've got the Euros over in the Netherlands. And I think the media takes a little bit of time to catch up. It's a little bit like, well, let's see how, how the women do. We're not going to invest too heavily in the, uh, in the coverage. But then as soon as we start looking like we're going to get success, which, you know, like I said, from an English and a British point of view, the ladies have been so successful in a wide range of sports that the media caught on to that. And we really do get the backing. I'm just hoping that when these big tournaments come around um, next year and in, in future years, that the media can be behind it from the very start. Um, but it's certainly, you know, the coverage they've given the final has been has been wonderful, really good. And for yourself personally, a big weekend because it was the last time the GB Swans trained together in the UK before jumping on the plane. Yeah, that's right. We had a session down in London, um, which the overwhelming majority of the squad were able to make it to. We've got a couple of a couple of girls who got out there in Oz already um, who've gone out a bit early to do some training over there, and we've obviously got some. Um, some Aussie-based swans out there as well, but the rest of the girls were in attendance, and it was just great. What was lovely was to just see how people's skills have progressed, because it's been a while since we've all met up together. Um, and, you know, you worry a little bit as things are going on. You know, are people going to be peaking at the right time? Are they going to have done the right kind of stuff? And, you know, the girls have made an overwhelming commitment to improving their skills. Being this our first time in the tournament, nobody really knows what to expect. So... Um, yeah, it was a really, really fun, and the, the actual environment was really, really enjoyable. People, are, the, the vibe around the group is really positive. The coaching staff are really positive. So, we couldn't really, from my opinion, we couldn't be going in um, from a better standpoint, really.
Of course, you had a very successful European Championships last year, going through undefeated and, and defeating the Irish. You recently held the London All-Stars, where you defeated the All-Stars, you defeated Ireland, uh, but you had a situation where you swapped in about seven or eight deputants to play against the Canada Midnight Suns when you were beaten. Even though you did swap around some players, was it, I guess, a welcome wake-up call that just before the tournament, hey, we've got to be on our toes because Canada, particularly their first, is going to be a whole different ball game. That's exactly right, and it's exactly what we need. Um, we really needed that shot across the bowels of, look, this is what they're going to come with. This is what they're going to bring. This is the physicality. These are the kind of athletes we're up against. This is the kind of way they play, their game, their, their style, all those kind of things. So it was really, really, really good for all of us. Um, and that's a game that we make reference to when we're talking, doing our team talks and we're talking about those players. Um, and now looking ahead to the, to the next tournament, we're, we're eyeing up the other teams and the physicality of those teams and how we're going to adapt our game to play against that. But it was great. And it was, it was just really good to play against a really strong team. Um, yeah, it was, it was very enjoyable playing against Canada. I'm really looking forward to playing them in the IC. Well, let's talk about that because you're in Pool A of the competition. Uh, you have your opening game against Pakistan, which everyone admits is an unknown quantity. No one's played them before at international level, so no one knows what they're coming with. Uh, also in your group, you've got the reigning champions, Canada, which you play in round three at uh, Plenty War Memorial Park, Plenty. And then you've also got, which you play at Peninsula Grammar in round two, Fiji. Now, Fiji only won two games last tournament, but the big comment is, as you talked about Canada's physicality, they reckon Fiji though not great on the skills, are very physical. Yeah, yeah, and, that, and, I, and I don't worry about that too much. We've got some big hitters. We've got some real big hitters. Um, and we've got some real sort of fleet-footed girls who like to sort of skip around people. And the way we, we, you know, we're playing, obviously don't want to give too much away, but we've got a whole kind of host of different tactics uh, that we're going to be able to employ at different times of the game to suit the game that we're playing and being able to respond and react quickly, particularly, like you said, to Pakistan, the unknown quantity. A bit like ourselves, you know, we're going to have to think on our feet in those situations, and that's what we've been training for. That's why the Canada game is really good. How are we going to respond to these ladies? You know, who should we be watching out for? What's the kind of game they're going to be playing? So it's all, it's all very, very exciting, and, and we are going to have to play in different styles for each of the different games, I feel, um, but still obviously take advantage of our own strength. But no, I, 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 I mean, I personally like getting stuck in, and so do the girls, and we're not, you know, a team of girls who, who shy away from a contest far from it so it, it actually encourages us to raise our game so playing against Beach is going to be uh, going to be a really exciting one how important is depth of the squad? Because when we look at the fixture, because the AFL had moved the community round for women's by a day, they moved it from what was going to be a Saturday to a Sunday, you essentially play the, the reigning champions Canada on a Sunday, and then you've literally got to back up 48 hours later on the Tuesday in what will be the elimination semi-final. Mm. It's, going to be, it's going to be really important to keep fit you know by that stage we could have maybe a couple of girls could have picked up a couple of niggles you know we've got a large squad we're happy with the squad we've got um there are the rotations in there for like for like there are also girls who are going to come in and bring us something a little bit different so it's going to be really important the rehab the prehab all that side of stuff that we've got planned into the schedule you know and, and we're very fortunate that the bulldogs have been out there you know a number of times before very experienced and the team manager that's been um been involved in organising that. We've got some lads that know what they're doing. Um, so we're just kind of basically following their lead, really, and saying, right, this is what you need to do. The physios have been fantastic, actually. Um, really, really good, really on hand. Uh, even just leading up to this tournament um, have been fantastic.
fantastic. So I've got no doubt that when we get out there, they're going to be keeping us fit for that. Um, but we've just got to be smart. Like you said, you know, you've got to use the depth of your squad. The girls have all gone out there. They've trained hard. They want to play. Um, the coach's intention is to get people to be playing, you know, and to, to use those with the longer quarters. Um, it's going to be it's going to be rotations, making sure people are staying fit and staying sharp when they're on the pitch. How's the squad looking when it comes to everyone being fully fit? Because we know for the the Canadians uh, have already put out there that uh, they've had about four injuries which they've had to cover. How about the Great Britain team Com- compared to the original squad that you had when you started a year ago and planning to IC seventeen? Have you managed to get everybody up? Um, we we took one big injury hit. She's still coming out there with us. She's going to be part of uh, part of kind of the coaching staff and she's going to take a role on doing some of the stuff she's a trained physio uh, we lost Lee Cobham which was a huge shame um, she's such a versatile player um, and I know she was absolutely devastated she got a knee injury playing in the London League uh, what sort of six six seven weeks ago um, which was a massive shame but other than that to be honest people are people are looking pretty fit that, that's the, you know the main injury that we got one of the couple of the girls we got um, got an injury in, in the selection weekend who unfortunately therefore weren't able to be selected but but generally people are actually looking really really good um, we've, we've been lucky and touch wood we'll get through the next few days uh, we had some strict instructions about when we were supposed to finish playing um, which we've all stuck to which I think was important frustrating because it meant we couldn't play in the finals of the London League which we all wanted to do but you know it's, it's one of those things I see only comes around once every three years and for some of us including myself getting Getting a little bit older, I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to be there in another three years. So it's about getting out there and leaving it all out on the field. Well, you're very in age range in the side. I think the youngest is 19, the oldest is 41. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we've certainly got some experience. Master, who uh, is uh, yeah, tipped over the. I was looking at the date of birth actually yesterday because I just thought, oh, I'll have a look and see where I where I field in this. And I am, although I don't feel it, um, I am sort of towards the top end of that. But I think it's great because. What that gives you is it gives you the experience. We've got a number of girls who've been perhaps not necessarily playing the game more than sort of three, four, five years, um, but certainly have been in leadership roles and have been around competitive sport, big competitions in um, in other sports for a number of years. And I think that's really going to help the young ones bring on. And, you know, we're thinking here about next IC. You know, I know the coaches are already getting out there. We're trying to grow this game in, in Great Britain so that the, the squad's even stronger for three years' time. That's that's the plan. That's what we're doing over here. So, um, yeah, it makes it fun as well, I think, when you've got a variety of different ages. It mixes it up a little bit. And how about the plan for when you come into Melbourne? When is the squad expected to arrive? And have you managed to hook up with any of the local footy clubs yet to uh, do some training with them or use their facilities? Yeah, so um, we're landing. We fly out on the 2nd, so we're landing on the 3rd. Got a couple of training sessions planned in already. Um, the schedule's been kept pretty tight. There's still some stuff we're not aware of, and I know they're still finalising some stuff um, about where we're going to be training and uh, and all those kind of things. But the, we've been we've been told about a link that we've got with with Carlton to go down there, and um, fingers crossed, be able to to join in with some of their training, which is just really exciting. And we're going to go and watch a couple of the Carlton games and, and things. So it's. Uh, yeah, that's going to be absolutely amazing. My goal is to try and get on their Instagram story, which anybody that's got Instagram, I don't know how much you use it, Pia, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's a bit of a goal of mine to try and get on as many different people's Insta stories as possible. And uh, we should mention with a Carlton contact, one Kate Sheelaw, who used to play for the Wimbledon Hawks, of course, playing at Carlton. 
That's right, big Kate. She loves it. Um, Kate's an absolute legend. Really, really good. A lot of the girls get on really, really well with Kate. And anybody that's met her just will, you know, within two or three minutes get her personality straight away. So uh, we are really looking forward to hanging out with her again. Of course, Lauren Spark, uh, who is also at the Hawks, she's one of our coaches. Um, they just bring a really fun vibe and kind of really epitomise what we're doing with you know, like the two of those ladies who've gone out taking their football really seriously and achieved, you know, great things, really shone in the AFLW. Um, that's kind of what we're aiming to do, but also do it with a little bit of a bit of a sense of fun as well. That's that's the plan. That's the uh, the game, uh, the goal for when we're out there. And Laura, uh, just before we let you go, of course, we said you had the recent London uh, footy carnival coming out of that. Has there been any what I call late bloomers out of the squad that have really impressed you and put their hand up and developed as individuals that you think will star at the IC coming in August? Yes. So somebody, um, somebody, there's a girl called Lucy Jones, who's actually our only Welsh girl from a smaller place called Wales that perhaps, you know, some of the Aussies might not have heard of. Um, she has just come on leaps and bounds. The girl is, we have a bit of an in-joke really between myself and another couple of players of, you know, if Lucy Jones gets the ball, it doesn't matter if she's facing the wrong way, it doesn't matter, you know, if she's on her right boot because she's a, a left-footed girl. If she gets the ball, she's going for goal and invariably she scores. She's a powerhouse. She's absolutely fantastic. So she's really come good. Um, and, you know, a girl I've spoken about perhaps in the past, people heard me talk about Danny Salter. You know, she has all of the great traits as an athlete. She's, she's fast. Um, she's agile. She's strong. And actually, she's been training really hard the last couple of months. So her skills have really improved. So, she, you know, she'll be one that when people come to watch us, they'll walk off and go, oh, yeah, yeah, I noticed her. She was absolutely brilliant. So, you know, a couple of, couple of the girls are doing really, really well and um, really pushing off. Well, Laura, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy. We wish you a safe flight next week. We look forward to seeing you in Melbourne for the kickoff of the weekend after for IC17 in Melbourne. Yeah, thank you. We're buzzing to be part of that opening game as well. It's going to be uh, it's going to be absolutely brilliant. We can't wait to can't wait to be be out there and meet you all. It's going to be fab. Our next guest has played in multiple premierships for the Darabin Falcons and one with the Deer Park Lions. But now we speak to her as an AFLW recruiter for the Western Bulldogs. It's great to have on the line Paige Cadona. Paige, how are you? Good, thank you, mate. How are you? Not too bad at all. Great to have you on the line. Now, before we talk about, uh, obviously, recruiting and how you've been aligned now with the Bulldogs, knowing that you're a mad Collingwood supporter, but I, we, we need to take a step back for a moment to, to tell everyone, you know what you're talking about. Let's just say you, you've played in a handful of premierships. I've had the um, you know the absolute pleasure of um, of playing in in a couple. Um, I think it's about five or five or six. Um, so uh, I, I have played footy um, a fair bit uh, during my time. Um, I think you know mo- like most girls, um, you know the story is you get to the age of about twelve, thirteen, and and there's no further um, pathways um, back then. And um, it took me until I um, I turned eighteen and I, I left. Um, I left Geelong and, and moved to Melbourne and um, moved in with um, uh, I don't know if I should mention her name or not, um, but a very well, a very prominent footballer in the AFLW now, um, who convinced me to come down to Darabin and um, and and give footy a go, and, and I did, and I was really lucky back then. It would be I think 2006 that um, I ran into a pretty good team, um, and you know we had a lot of success um, in the mid to, to late 2000s playing at Darabin. Um, so that was a, a fantastic part of my life, and um, I, I gave the gave the game away momentarily um, 
after I broke my ankle pretty badly um, in a preliminary final and um, sort of took a bit of time off, came back, it wasn't quite right and um, kind of picked the game up with a couple of mates down at Deer Park just socially. I was just supposed to be filling in and um, next thing I, I ended up staying on and um, you know, we, we played in the Premiership that year together and that was uh, a really great way to sort of retire from the game and um, that was the sixth, sixth uh, Premiership. So... Great times, loads of friends I've made. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to, to pull on the state jumper and, um, you know, travel into state and, and play, you know, the likes of South Australia and WA and Queensland have always been, you know, great opponents. And, um, yeah, I owe a lot to the game. So it's been really kind to me. I think your opening comment made a few women cry where you said, oh, I think I've played in five or six premierships. It's just it's just like casually, I've played in so many, I can't remember how many. Oh, it, it feels like, um, you know, they're all they're all pretty special. Um, the first one, you know, the first one was definitely the most memorable. That was, you know, my first flag. Um, and I was so fortunate enough to be part of that, that senior Darabin team. It was um, incredible. Um, at the same time, I was 18 years old. Um Daisy Pierce was 18. Lauren Arnell was, I think, probably about 20. Um, Moana Hope was, you know, had just turned 18 as well. Um, you know, we were such a young side um, then, but we also had, you know, so much talent. Um, you know, a lot of the more senior players in the team who, you know, really are the ones that, you know, I, I have to thank for a lot of my development. Um, you know, it would have been so great to see them. Um, Sarah Hammond, for example, who's still getting around as well, um, was an outstanding person to to, um, to, to try and shadow and um, a great stalwart around the uh, the club who's, you know, still involved in the Falcons today. So it was, um, yeah, great times. I've, I've nothing but fond memories of, of playing for the Falcons and, you know, it's great to sort of see them, you know, they're, they're maintaining the rage. They haven't, they haven't gone, gone away quite yet. <laughs> Yeah, indeed. Still uh, second on the ladder at the moment and within striking distance of top spot. Um, just quickly as well, you mentioned Victoria. Uh, what does it mean for you to know that the AFLW exhibition match this year is going to be Victoria versus the Allies, the big V returns? Oh, look, I'm, um, you, know, as, you know, as a football person, sort of first and foremost, I love it. Um, I think most people who would you know, who are in love with the game, whether that's men's or women's, do have a fond connection um, with state of origin in one way or another. And I think it's a really great way to, um, you know, to sort of, you know, obviously we had two interstate teams play off in the AFLW grand final last year. So, um, you know, they'll fancy themselves, but, you know, the Victorian um, girls, or at least the girls playing in Victoria for a Victorian club, um, you know, it'll be great to see the big V out there. And for, for those that are, you know, that are Victorian, um, it, it will really be a special moment. Um, the girls that are sort of playing for the All-Stars, um, you know, when they've played for their states previously, there's, there's nothing more satisfying than pulling on your state's jumper um, to be selected to represent. So I think it's going to be a great match, um, definitely, um, you know, if anything else. So it's going to provide a lot of insight um you know, into the coming season and, um, you know, there's new players that are in those those squads, um, there's returning players and, um, you know, for the girls that are putting their hand up to be drafted as well, I think it's going to be really good for, for recruiters. A number of years ago, you got involved with TAC Cup Radio and you're watching the next generation of male talent that was coming through. That's the under-18s Victorian competition. What got you interested in doing that when many, I guess, were, were looking at VFL or chasing the AFL or, or, or you could have been doing VWFL for that example? 
Yeah, so um, probably back as far back as probably I think it might have been 2010. My interest really picked in um, in in TAC Cup, and and at that time that there wasn't many people reporting on it. Um, it really wasn't. It's not what it is now um, in the AFL where. We've got phantom drafts starting in June. Um, you know, there's loads of reporters on it. There's people dedicated to it now. It's, it's become quite a, a fanfare and people take a lot of interest in it. Um, back then, it, it sort of got my interest because, you know, there were new players coming to the club that I supported, Collingwood, and I was like, oh, where do they come from? Oh, they've come from Gippsland, or they've come from here or there. And I thought, well, you know, I'd love to see, you know, what's going on at these clubs. And um, and that was, you know, I got really involved um in TAC Cup, and uh, I started my own sort of scouting, just a bit of a hobby, um, and, you know, really got into it and then started writing quite a lot about it. Um, in 2013, I did a lot of stuff with sort of TAC Cup radio, um, so I did a lot of player analysis on that, and that was really great. It gave me the opportunity to, to, you know, network and get to know a lot of players and all that sort of thing as well. Um, so I did that for a couple of years, and um, I, I had to step away from that because I got the opportunity to um, to be a TAC Cup scout for an AFL team. So um, that sort of coincided with my retirement from from playing footy because at the time that was you know I really wanted to pursue um, you know a, a potential career in recruiting, and scouting was sort of the first step of that apprenticeship. So. Um, I ended up scouting for two different clubs. Um, it was great experience, and then um, you know I got got a bit of a knock on the door about potentially um, stepping up to recruiting um, for the ASL um, W for the Bulldogs. So um, and I, I took that with both hands. It was too good to um, to knock back, and, and here I am. I thought you know the sort of maybe the the opportunity has passed me by, um, and. You know, it, it came knocking. So, in, in the least, um, in the least of circumstances, I was quite excited, and it's been a pretty fun ride so far. Would you say that um, the recruiting has uh, developed a lot in the, I'd say, previous six months of AFLW? Is it fair to say that because the licenses came on so quick and everything happened so quick in the latter half of 2016, all clubs were almost just dipping their hands in the barrel, grabbing a bunch of players and hoping for the best. Do you think now it's becoming more focused, more laser-like of, okay, this is what we generally need to build a team and this is the direction we need to go? Yeah, look, I think, um, you know, I wasn't involved in any capacity um, in, in 2016. Um, so I, I merely looked on from a supporter point of view. And, um, you know, but looking at the, the way that, that clubs built lists, um, as you said, the, the licences came on quick, draft time crept up really quickly. And I think, that, you know, in my opinion anyway, clubs were, were quite under-resourced um, in regards to finding out um, more about sort of players. So um, potentially, and look, I, I can't speak on behalf of any clubs. It's just my own opinion. But um, potentially clubs kind of went in a little bit blind and, and like you said, just sort of picked the players that they'd seen and they'd, they'd known and, you know, had had good games and that sort of thing. And But, you know, being a first year, I think everything's a, a first and it's a learning experience. So, um, you know, this year in particular, it's, um, you know, the – the AFLW teams, you know, they've got a list together. So they know where they're efficient and they know where they might be needing, you know, extra support. Um, whether that's, you know, we're talking about key position players, whether we're talking about, you know, small defenders, medium forwards, um, inside or outside midfielders, that sort of thing. You know, clubs are able to now really kind of um, hone 
their, their need rather than just pick for the sake of kind of having to build a team. And, um, you know, I think, you know, at, at the end of the season, there, there was, I think probably apart from, um, from Melbourne, you know, all clubs had, you know, pretty good turnover of, of players. Um, and in that probably reflected a lot of the first season. And, you know, it was great to see clubs were really involved in trading and, um, you know, the players themselves were open to it as well, which, you know, I guess, again, being number first was, you know, probably an interesting thing to see how it was going to go. Um, and, you know, I think it's been a pretty good outcome um, for all clubs, I think I'd say. But, um, you know, I can certainly stay, um, you know, at the Bulldogs, we're pretty excited about, you know, what we've got on our hands and potentially um, what next season looks like. For yourself, what is a typical week like as an AFLW recruiter? Um, look, it's, it's a bit involved. Um, you know, you're always looking at, you know, me, I, I love to, to read stats um, quite in depth. It's a great way to sort of revisit what you've seen um, at a game. And, um, you know, you know, stats will tell one side of the story watching um, a game on the weekend will tell another. Um, but it's also good to gauge, you know, things such as, you know, I'm always looking to, you know, sort of lean off a couple of um, people and find out the inside word of who might be in, who might be out, who's carrying injuries, um, you know, trying to ascertain what potential team sheets might look like, um, you know, when they come out um, to the media on Thursdays. Um, you know, and then it's basically, um, so Paul Groves, who's the head coach of the Bulldogs, um, he will sort of speak to um, all the recruiters and, you know, we've got some names down that we'll, that we look at at each game, and basically it's about monitoring those players. And me personally, I like to do a bit of you know research if I haven't um, seen you know a player in a couple of weeks, for example. Um, you know, I'll go back and maybe have a look at some tapes, have a look at positioning, have a look at their their stats in game, see you know from from a glance what t- what type of player I interpret them to be, um, and so I get a bit of an idea of what they've been doing um, in the recent weeks and then see how that matches up on um, on game day. So, um, you know, game day in itself is a, is a whole other beast as well. So it is quite, it can be quite in-depth. Um, and then post-game as well, you know, there's a bit of reporting to be done and, you know, discussions and, you know, players are going on and off, um, you know, draft board, so to speak. And, um, you know, now that it's, we've reached the midway point of the year, um, we really hone that focus to another level um, to really start getting an idea of, um, you know, who we really want to target come the draft. On each typical player, what would you be keeping in the way of data and resources um, to um, to look at? Are you keeping hours worth of footage? Is it hours worth of stats? Is it notes from um, from various scouts? What is kept on each individual player in your files? Oh, look, pretty much, um, pretty much everything. Um, you know. The games, um, all VSL games now um, are recorded, and they're um, and you know we're able to sort of delve into those and, and watch back some some bits and pieces. So, for example, if I'm watching um, a game on a weekend, and you know it could be five minutes into the third quarter, and um, a player puts in something that you know I deem to be eye-catching or, or worthy of revisiting, whether it's it's good or bad. You know, I'll note that down just as a mental note to just go back to the tape and have a look there in in, in better vision. Um, 
you know, so there's things like that. You know, there's there's statistics um, from champion data as well that come into it. Um, there's just notes, just general notes. Um, you know, I like to kind of build character profiles as well, and that includes, you know, things that I notice, um, like before the game, how they warm up, how they interact with their players, what they're like at the, the huddles, you know, are they engaging, do they look like they care, um, you know, how they, again, what the general body language is as well, um, how they are after games. So you kind of... Um, you really do keep a strong eye on them, and and it's it all goes in towards building a profile because you know you, essentially we invest in in these players and we want them to be long term um, you know contributors to the football club. So um, any detail is good de- detail, um, whether that's how much someone cares about their hair and makeup <laughs> on uh, on game day. Um, you know that's another thing as well. Um, you know being being women, it does come into it, but. There's loads of different quirky things I could tell you about that, that I look into, but it, um, yeah, it, it all goes to, to build a profile. Well, of course, we want to keep the mystery and we don't want to mention any players that you're currently looking at. So let's just, for example, pick your current captain, Katie Brennan. If Katie Brennan wasn't recruited by anyone, was in the draft, was available, what type of notes, what would you be saying about a Katie Brennan? Uh, look, Katie Brennan, I think, um, you know, as most people would know, she's you know, a pretty, pretty rare talent. Um, you know, she's it mixes. Um, not only is she a really good character. Um, I mean, if we, I mean, first, um, I like to think of you know when you bring someone into a football club, they've got to have good character. They've got to be coachable, um, and you know, also they've in a, in a sense um, they've got to be marketable too. So if you're looking at you know a marquee type like Katie Brennan, um, yeah, she's got for me anyway. She's got the full full kit and caboodle. So. Um, she's easily marketed. She's a great face for the football club. Um, she plays in a in a position that's that is you know quite high pressure, but comes with high reward as well. So being a forward, um, you know, she's an elite elite kick. She's got great kicking mechanics. Um, you know, she is an exceptional um, overhead mark. She's competitive at ground level. Um, she brings others into the game. She's a great avenue to goal. Um, so that being that. You know, she provides a lot of defensive pressure, but also um, goal assists. Um, you know, things like she involves herself in the play, she can get up the ground. Um, you know, she's vocal, she, she possesses great leadership. Um, you know, other things as well that, you know, I'd say about Katie is that she's, um, she's an absolute competitor. And for me, that's, you know, I, I look at competitiveness really closely and that takes into things like, you know, the way someone presents at a stoppage, the, you know, their body language, um, you know, their ability to sort of lead and direct and, and coach other players around them. Um, you know, Katie also, you know, without going into too much IP, but she, um, you know, she demands the football. She's someone that you want to kick it to, um, you know, and she can win your games. So she's a she's an all-round round star. That's why she's our marquee player and, um, and club captain but um, you know we, we take into so many things uh, about a player um, so it's it's really it kind of feels like it's never ending but um, you know there, there are things I will judge harsher on um, than others um, you know I'm a big fan of you know putting your head over the ball winning the contested ball you know people that pull out a contest um, you know these are all things that will you know, you'll get torched for by 
you know, coaches, your teammates. Um, you know, now that AFL, W is, a, you know, a, a, a pretty much a professional sport, it, it brings in things now the girls wouldn't usually realise, which is social media. And um, I think, you know, there were some players who probably um, copped a bit of a roasting, for lack of a better word, on social media because they, their seasons weren't um, up to the standards of perhaps what, you know, supporters might have thought. Um, so it's another thing to take into consideration as well. So um, that's just what I look at personally. Um, I know there's probably loads of recruiters that look at other things as well. So, um, but yeah, I can't, uh, can't go into too much, too much depth on that one. So now as being a recruited AFLW level, what resources are given to you? Obviously, we've talked about the stats and we've talked about the vision. Uh, what do you have in the way of scouting? Do you have a number of volunteers that look across Victoria? And do you sometimes cast your net wider? I know it's not a true national draft. You have to nominate for the Victorian pool to be taken by a Victorian club. But do you cast your net wider just in case you find there might be someone good from, let's say, for example, Queensland who goes, oh, I wouldn't mind coming down to Melbourne? Yeah, of course. Look, um, you know, it is a it is a compromised draft, and as you said, you know, because players can nominate to remain in their state, it does, in a sense, make it tricky, and it does, in a sense, make it quite easy. Um, you know, if you've got the number one pick in Victoria, you know, you've got the first pick of all of the elite talent that, that's in that's in Victoria, and it, it is such a football state. So, um, you know, there's that benefit as well, but also girls that might might feel as though they, they could be a fringe selection in the draft. Um, you know, putting their hand up to say, I'll go anywhere, um, means that you can take that into consideration as well. Unless they can be persuaded to um, to move to Melbourne and, um, you know, potentially look at life in Melbourne rather than the states that they currently live in. You know, that um, that's something to consider as well. But um, it is, yeah, to, to put it simply for you, we have... Um, we have Scouts that sort of go out in the um, in the VSL. Um, obviously, being season two, um, resources for clubs, um, you know, aren't, aren't what it is in the AFL currently, where you've got pro scouts that are looking at opposition teams. You've got scouts at Pack Cup. You've got scouts at um, you know um, school footy. You've got scouts in the Sandfall, the Waffle, the Neefall. Um, the TSL, and it goes country worldwide. And then you've got the senior football, so you've got VFL scouts, and then you've got people that will go and have a look at Colts footy and that sort of stuff. So um, for AFL clubs, it's quite an in-depth um, sort of system. And, you know, the clubs have got in excess of 20-plus scouts um, and then plus your recruiters on top of that at AFL level. Um, with, with, you know, AFLW at the moment, um, there are sort of people that get out to uh, VFL games, and at the moment, I, I believe most clubs have just got the resources to get to VFL. So, you know, I know we've got the ammos that have come in as well for the women this year, and you know, which is great. But at the same time, um, you know, I think the next step for a lot of clubs is being able to get more resources into more leagues. Um, you know, there are girls playing country footy, for example, that, that could be really great talent, but there might be, you know, but they could sort of go under the radar a bit because of, um, of resources in, in the second year. So you never know, um, but, you know, we, we do have, you know, we look at the under-18 competition, we look at the VSL, we've got sort of eyes 
you know, everywhere, so to speak, and resources as well. So, um, but predominantly, most of the people that will be drafted will, will probably come from um, the VFL competition in Victoria and the senior sort of competitions that, you know, are in the um, respective states. Is there added pressure on this draft for the current clubs? Because we know expansion will come in in 2019. We don't know if it'll be two or four or a different number of teams. But those teams that do come in, particularly if there's at least, say, two Victorian teams, they're going to get the pick of the crop for the uh, best under-18s coming through in 2019 as part of, obviously, to, to build up their squad. So is there pressure that we've, for, the, for teams like yourself or the Bulldogs, you've got to get it right in 2018 because you won't get the best of the best next year? I think, you know, to be honest, I think it's important to get your drafts right every year, regardless of, um, of, of teams that are, you know, potentially coming into the competition. Um, you know, for us, we've got a number of really good, solid, high selections that, um, you know, that we've both, you know, gotten through, you know, our draft picks, but also through trading as well. So, um, you know, for us, it's a really great opportunity to take advantage of, you know, the, the talent that's come in this year. Um, and, you know, I think all clubs are going to be hoping to really nail it because this will be the first draft, um, you know, since the, the original team lists were, were made. So, um, and in saying that as well, off the back of such a great um, um, AFLW season, we've seen so many women come into the game that potentially haven't played before. Um, so it's, you know, it's sort of a double-edged sword because, you know, one, you're looking at players who switched over to the game so um, let's say a, a basketballer has come over and, and started playing with, I don't know, Diamond Creek, for example. And, um, you know, they've shown some really good signs, but have they shown enough to suggest they might be AFLW quality? We, you know, let's say, for example, that's a no. And then all it takes is one more season in the, um, in the VSL in Victoria and, you know, all of a sudden that they might be looking at a top 10 pick. So you, you almost, in a sense, um, you're projecting as well what a player might be like. Um, and that, that also comes with its own sort of risk and reward scenario. But also we've got girls that were overlooked in last year's draft that, you know, for one, for one reason or another, um, we'll put them ha- their hands up again as well and we'll look into and see how they've developed, what they did last year. Um, why was it enough to get on a list last year when there were it was open season for lists? Have they developed as a player? Have they improved? Um, you know, we're also looking at players that didn't got, didn't get drafted last year because they had you know season ending injuries um, and they've only just returned to the game this year. So there's so many um, sort of variables to take into consideration, and then then you've got girls that have come up from the the Pat Cup competition and, and youth girls. Um, who've come into straight into senior football and have just looked so comfortable and at home that, you know, they're putting their hands up as top 10 picks. So, you know, there is a lot of talent to sort of look at and that sort of, again, then it ranges from your fresh 18-year-olds that are going to be the ones that are going to, you know, we hope would lead the club sort of in the future, um, just like the AFL, is that their drafts are the under-18 guys. Um, whereas VFL... Um, you know, for the women anyway, it's, it's all ages. You've got 17-year-olds through to women that are in their 40s playing um, that, that can be drafted. So it is a little bit different in terms of the two different drafts, but, you know, really, you know, we would hope that with the selections that we've got that we would, 
you know, not only nail them, but get a really nice cross-section of um, players that can really complement the current list, um, you know, based off best available uh, and based off need as well. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a fine line. You have pick one. How good does that feel? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think um, I think it's fantastic. I, um, I for myself personally, I can't speak on behalf of the club, um, Myself, personally, and recruiter, I really welcome that sort of pressure and that spotlight. Um, and I think it's good and I think it's healthy. Um, I think also um, Bulldog supporters should be incredibly excited about having them one pick because there are some really talented girls um, that are that so far to the midpoint of the year have you know, put their hand up to, to be potential um, number one picks. So... Um, there is it's a lot of excitement, I think, as well. But you know, also you've got to make sure you do your due diligence. Um, the club sitting with the next couple of picks, um, you know, when I was scouting at AFL level, um, you know, we used to say that some years that having picked two in a draft or having picked three in a draft was the best option because um, you know opinions were so um, sort of. They were really quite flat across the board. Like there might be three or four players in an AFL draft who all four of them could put their head up for number one pick and it just came down to preference. Um, so it wasn't, you know, four big forwards or one forward and a couple of midfielders. Um, you know, four players put their hand up as being genuine number one picks and it just came down to who you liked more. Um, and everyone was kind of happy with who they got. So, um, but for us, you know, there are players that, you know, we're looking at and, um, you know, there's still so much more to unfold. But it is really exciting having that number one pick and um, I'm looking forward to draft night, that's for sure. Um, calling that player's name out because I think it's going to be really exciting. And finally, before we let you go, we've been talking a lot about the, the Victorian draft and, and occasionally some players from, from elsewhere. Um, in August this year in Melbourne, only a couple of weeks away from it, is the International Cup, where some of the best female footballers from outside of Australia will be coming to Melbourne to compete. Is that something the Bulldogs will cast the eye over? And if, just by luck, any players stand out, for example, they might be Irish, Gaelic footballers being able to convert to Aussie rules, is that something to keep an eye on and even have discussions with players or even test them? Yeah, look, um, absolutely. I think it's an opportunity not just for, for the Western Bulldogs, but I think all clubs will be uh, will be attending that and having some interest. Um, you, you never know what you could potentially find, and I think that's sort of reflected in you know a lot of clubs have held sort of open testing days um, at their clubs. I mean, we, we did as well at the Bulldogs, um, where we invited players um, or athletes down that that were either in a different. Um, code altogether or had not played um, on an AFL list for, for three years at so grassroots level. So um, it meant that we could sort of cast the net bar and wide and just take a look and um, and test some players and, and see because obviously clubs have got to fill their rookie list spots and that includes having category B rookies that, you know, come from an alternative sport. Um, and, you know, we've, we've seen, you know, look how well Erin Phillips turned out. She was a, a rookie last year for Adelaide and you know, took the competition by storm. So um, there's plenty of cross-code athletes, but I think in particular here, it's, it's never a um, you never put a line through anything. Um, particularly with the international cup, um, you know, there's girls from loads of different cultural backgrounds, um, athleticisms. Um, you know, there's lots to take into consideration, and players can be developed. And I think you know, if you look at 
even the AFL, um, you know, there's been a bit of a love with, you know, getting Americans on board and, you know, the Irish guys have always adapted pretty well to the game. Um, but, you know, it also depends on whether or not these girls have any interest in playing, um, you know, professional football too in Australia. So that's another thing for them to consider if, if there's players of interest. So, um Look, I'm definitely going to be down there and I'll be having a, a, you know, I'll be lurking on a wing somewhere and with my binoculars and having a bit of a spy. But, um, yeah, look, I think it's, look, regardless, it's a great um, endorsement for the game. And it's fantastic to see, um, you know, other countries embrace our game and um, and want to be competitive and, and play in this international cup. And it's going year and year. And, um, you know, I, I went and saw, you know, maybe five or six years ago, and it was really kind of, you know, the Americans, the Canadians, the Irish, um, and that sort of thing. But it's it's really grown, um, you know, it's come a long way. So I'm really excited just to see it, to see what the girls can produce. And above anything, I just hope they, they enjoy themselves and um, have a great time in our country playing our game. Well, Paige, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy, and we wish you all the very best over the coming months leading up to the AFL draft for the 2018 season. No worries. Thanks so much for having me, Pete. Time for the State League's wrap. Let's first of all look at the Swiss Wellness VFL Women's Competition, and I've got on the line our league caller in Matthew Cox. Coxie, how are you? Oh, I'm very good, Pete. Rested up after a weekend off and looking forward to a big five rounds of VFL women's football. And those big five uh, big five games uh, kick off uh, this Saturday morning, 10 a.m. Icon Park, it's part of a double header. Uh, Geelong and Northern Blues playing in the men's game in the afternoon. But to kick off in the morning, uh, the Cats are taking on the Darabin Falcons. Yeah, it promises to be an interesting game. We know Darabin's in some really good form. Although the last time out against the Spurs, they were a little bit scrappy. Um, and I would think if they turned up in a similar fashion, that they'd still be able to get the job done. I think when we last spoke, we said that uh, Geelong's got a crucial couple of rounds coming up. And this is their, their real first test. If they're, if they're to make the top four... They've really got to push Darabin in this game and and keep the margin under, I think, four goals would be a reasonable target for them. At 11.30am at Burbank Oval, our Saturday match of the day on RSN Carnival, the VU Western Spurs and the Seaford Tigerettes. Yeah, Spurs coming off a, a disappointing game against the Falcons a couple of weeks ago where they were probably in it for periods of the first and second quarter, but then apart from that, uh, just couldn't get their game going. Coming up against the Tiger Reds, we've spoken about them a, a lot throughout the season. Still without a win to date, and I think that's going to stay the same. I think the Spurs are going to be too strong, and they'll be looking to get a bit of a percentage booster in this game on Saturday. 2pm at Frankenholmes Oval on the Sunday. Cranbourne hosts Box Hill. Can Box Hill go two from two? Um, I'm giving them a... Actually, I am going to tip them. I, I think they can get over the line. I know Cranbourne's been okay in games and, and uh, has a couple of wins on the board this season. But I think the Box Hill Hawks have been slowly building. They've been achieving the uh, objectives that they've needed to achieve. They've They've held sides accountable, and now that they're coming up against the bottom sides of the competition, uh, I, I think they'll get a little bit more success prior to the end of the season, and I think they'll get that this weekend against Cranbourne as well. 
Sunday, 2 p.m. at Mount Waverley Reserve, which is home of the Waverley Blues. Uh, that's where the Eastern Devils are hosting Melbourne Uni. Interesting game. Um, Eastern Devils, as we've spoken a number of times this season, uh, it's just been a, a real weird one for them. Only uh, the three wins to date and well and truly out of contention for the finals in 2017. Probably looking with an eye towards 2018 and, and trying to, to get some experience into some of the younger players. The other side of the coins, Melbourne Uni, which is a real interesting one. They've lost form over the last month or so and just haven't looked the side that they did between round one and about five. They just haven't been able to click and they're beginning to look tired, which is a, a worrying trend. I think they'll get over the line this weekend, but I don't think it's going to be convincing, which is a worry heading into the final few rounds of the season for the Muggers. And finally, 2pm at Plenty War Memorial Park in Plenty, our RSN Carnival match of the day. Uh, we are bringing you the game between Diamond Creek and the St Kilda Sharks. And the last time we were out at Plenty War Memorial Park, we saw a clinic from the Kriegers over the top of the Muggers, and I'm predicting something similar again. I think they are clearly now the top side of, of the competition. Uh, no matter their opponents, they are always switched on and uh, an incredibly versatile side now. The last time we saw them, we, we noted that there were players that were that was swapping between forward and back, running through the midfield, things that we haven't seen before from Diamond Creek, which is exciting for them. Sharks hopefully will be able to put up a contest. We know that they've been competitive and have great fitness in being able to run out games, but uh, I think Diamond Creek are just going to be too strong on Sunday afternoon. But it's certainly going to be a a ripper of a match and uh, actually really looking forward to broadcasting this one. Well, Coxie, thank you very much for joining us here and we look forward to uh, catching up with you on the weekend as we bring you those VFL Women's Matches of the Round on RSN Carnival. Yeah, looking forward to a big weekend of footy coming up. Having a quick look back at last weekend in the Tasmanian State League Women's Competition, two games being played as part of Round 9. The Tigers 5-1-31 going down to Launceston 7-9-51. Glenorchy 3-1-19 defeated by Clarence 5-7-37. Looking ahead to Round 10, one game on the Saturday starting at 12 o'clock at KGV. It is Glenorchy hosting Launceston. Well, on Sunday, 1pm at West Park, Bernie host the Tigers. Heading across to WA now and the WAWFL, there was four games played on the Sunday where West Perth 14-12-96 defeated East Perth one behind. The Perth Angels 3-3-21 went down to South Fremantle 11-9-75. The Coastal Titans 10-8-68 defeated the Thunderbirds 4-6-30, while Swan Districts went down at a thriller 1-5-11, losing to East Fremantle 1-7-13. Looking ahead Head to round 16. We've got all games on Sunday, all starting at 2 o'clock. South Fremantle hosts the Thunderbirds at Anning Park. At Carlisle Reserve, the Perth Angels host East Perth. At Claremont Oval, the Tigers host Swan Districts. And at HBF Arena, West Perth hosts the Coastal Titans. 
Time to find out what's been happening in the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division. And I've got on the line Lauren Hodgson. Lauren, how are you? Yeah, I'm pretty good, thanks, Peter. How are you? Not too bad at all, but there might be a bit of rivalry between you and me coming up in uh, a month and a half's time. The announcement of the AFLW State of Origin will be on opposite sides of the border. You and the Allies, me and the Vicks. Yeah, that um, really exciting news to hear about that over the last couple of weeks and um, to get a better idea of the format now is, um, yeah, really pleasing. So looking forward to that match uh, and it's not far away, really. September 2 at Etihad Stadium, but we've got local footy to focus on. Let's have a look what's coming up in round 14 because there was the bye last week uh, in AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division. Uh, it all kicks off early start, 8.30am at Gawley Oval on Saturday where the Southern Power hosts the Western Wolves. Yeah, 8.30 start. The ladies will definitely be uh, kicking the dew off the field. Uh, look, Wolves have only had the one uh, one win of the year, so disappointing season for them. And uh, whilst Power started off well, um, they've sort of had a disappointing second half of the year. So being a home game, uh, they'll be looking to get a win there. And uh, I'm tipping tipping power uh, to have a win over the Wolves uh, on Saturday. 12 o'clock Saturday at Trumper Park, the UTS Shamrocks hosting the Newtown Breakaways. Yeah, I think that should be a really good game. Obviously, uh, both sides have improved as the season's gone on. Um, I think the Shamrocks have been uh, been really uh, really a great story, having won the Division One Premiership in last year and being promoted. Um, so I'm looking forward to that, and I think the Shamrocks will uh, win by a couple of goals. 2pm Saturday, Mona Parker, Auburn Penrith Giants hosting the UNSW Stingrays. Yeah, again, I think that's going to be another really good game. Um, however, I think uh, UNSW, I think they'll win that comfortably. Uh, but we'll see um, the the Giants uh, definitely show how much they've improved over the year. And it'll be a good hit out for them before our finals in a few weeks. And 3pm Saturday at Sydney Uni Oval Number 1, the Sydney Uni Bombers hosting the Mac Uni Warriors. Yeah, look, I think uh, obviously the Bombers have been playing well all year, only losing to uh, UNSW um, in, in their, uh, it just recently. And I think they'll have a get back on the winner's board. Um, Mac Uni have obviously had a really good season, especially their second half of the year, really improved um, on their start. But I think the Bombers will win by uh, four, four to five goals there. Well, Lauren, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy. We look forward to catching up with you next week for reviews and previews of the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division. Should be great, Pete. Taking a look now at the Bond University QWAFL Round 15 was played over the weekend with the Zilmer Eagles 117 went down to Cooperoo 13-19-97. UQ Red Lions 5-3-33 defeated by Yeronga South Brisbane 13-9-87. While Wilston Grange 13-9-87 defeated Maroochydore two behinds. Looking ahead to Round 16 this weekend, all games on Saturday at 4.45pm. University of Queensland hosts Cooperoo, Yeronga South Brisbane hosting Coolangatta Tweed. Well, the Eagles host Maroochydore, or Wilston Grange having the bye. In the AFL Canberra Women's League, uh, round 15 was played over the weekend. We're on the Friday, uh, Eastlake Demons 2010-130 defeated by ANU Griffins 117. Melcona Magpies 16-20-116 defeated the Quimbian Tigers 2-3-15. Riverina Lions 13-10-88 defeated the Malongolo Juggernauts no score. And Gungarland Jets 12-22-94 defeated Kudamundra Blues no score. 
score. Looking to round 16 this weekend and all games being played on the Saturday at 10 o'clock at Allinshore Park. Quimbian Tigers hosting the ADFA Rams. Uh, 10 o'clock at South Oval. ANU Griffins hosting the Ainsley Tricolors. 10 a.m. at Sterling 101. The Malongolo Juggernauts hosting Eastlake Demons. 12 p.m. at Clark Oval. Kudamundra Blues hosting the Belconnen Magpies. While 4.30 p.m. at Greenway Oval, the Tugranong Hawks hosting the River Red Alliance. Time to find out what's been happening in the Adelaide Footy League women's competition. And I've got on the line Alison Schiller from the Two Crows podcast. Ali, how are you? Very good. Thank you, Peter. Yourself? Not too bad at all. Let's have a look at what's happened in Round 7 in Adelaide Footy League Women's. And uh, two games on the Saturday. Uh, first of all, uh, Salisbury 2-2-14 going down to West Adelaide 7 8 Yeah, this is the one um, I got really wrong in my tipping here, but there was some information on the notes for me. I, I thought Salisbury at home would actually get up over Westies or at least be a very tight and close contest, which, uh, as it turns out, it was not. But um, the Salisbury, they were missing, uh, they had a lot of outs, including their captain, and had only one A4Ws to play in after Allen play. So they appeared to lack a bit of depth in their midfield rotations and actually had to turn to dip four and five players to, to cover their losses. So the effort wasn't lacking, and it's a great experience, but Westies were, were too good and... Um, Absolutely gave them a little a mini towel up in there. So the goals for Salisbury, Hannah Pavlovich and Ash Woodland. Uh, best with Jess Allen, Nicole Baker, Candice Byer, Ash Woodland, Molly Smallacombe and Sophie Hoyle. For Westies, Jamie Tab back from the um, AFL Allies duty. She just slotted four, just sliding back in nicely back into the team there. Chelsea Bell with two, Maddie Newman also popping up there for a goal. The best there for Westies, Rebecca Owen, Jamie Tab. Kimberly Batley, Shannon Solly, Rachel Martin and Hannah Martin are the little pocket rockets there, um, who are absolutely a joy to watch. I'm glad to see them getting into the best set as well. At but this uh, is too good. At University Oval, it was a close one. Adelaide Uni 9-12-66 over Morphville Park 8-3-51. Yeah, uh, no one would have predicted this, and I certainly did not. Um, Adelaide Uni taking everyone before them every single week, we actually had an opposition team in the Morkaroos leading at half-time, believe it or not. So Adelaide Uni were without their leading goal kickers um, and had one AFLW player listed there with Anne Hatchard and Morkaroos had Van Hagen and Bevan in there. So basically Adelaide Uni also tried some defensive structure changes. Um, but to be honest, Morkaroos turned it on. They really pressed hard. Georgia Bevan had a day out. Probably the best game I've seen her play. And uh, Van Hagen also was brilliantly. So for them to be leading Adelaide Uni at halftime, I think that was the first time that's happened this year. So for Adelaide Uni, they take Mackerel. We had a first game back after she had some plates and screws in her collarbone after a mishap down at Kellett Reserve. So absolutely brilliant first game back. She gets in the best. And then she was moved forward to a bit of power and where she slotted two goals for the home team. Uh, Ninja Lee, Sophie, she was absolutely in everything as per normal. And um, Courtney Gummel, Gummo was moved back at half-time and settled down the back back for um, Adelaide Uni. And they started pushing on after that. I also learned something important here out of the Adelaide Uni. Um, there's a player there by the name of Ebony O'Day. He wears number 314, 
which was always amusing to me. And I finally got the answer to that is she must be a bit of a mathematics bottom. And 3.14 something, something, something is high. Obviously, you can tell maths is very high on my gender at school. Um, so I think I shall now have to refer to her as the life of Pi. But let's be honest, Adelaide Uni um, pulled on five goals to two in the third quarter to take back control of the game and weren't headed from there, even if though it was a close one. For Morphe's though, um, Ange Moritz continued her great year. She did come off a bit worse for wear at one stage after a good bit, but she got back on and continued out for the rest of the game. As I mentioned before, Georgia Bevan was great up on the ball and really set the tone for the Roos, and she was hard at it. Uh, and Van Hayden continuing to throw herself into every contest and giving a lot of run. Caitlin Swanson um, was, was fabulous, and, and Brianna Walling um, appeared to actually may have done a bit of damage to her shoulder or collarbone in the last minutes of the game where she had to come off and was craving that arm quite badly. The Roos were accurate and close. But Uni got across the line there. So the goals for Uni, the Hatching kicked three, Kate Mackerel two in her return game, Harvey, Lee, uh, Collie and Edwards uh, kicked one each. Best on ground, Sophie Lee taking those honours yet again. Gunners of Sevich, Gummo, Edwards, Kate and Harvey rounded out the best. For Morphys, I actually haven't listed the goalkeepers, um, although I noted Van Hagen, I'm pretty sure at least slotted one. But from a distance, I couldn't keep track of the numbers, to be honest. Uh, best on ground for my liking to, uh, was George Bevan, Van Hagen, Moritz and Swanson. And also one bet got out lurking in the shadows. And then Sunday at 3pm, uh, Port Adelaide 6-5-41, just getting over Modbury 5-2-32. Yeah, I thought this would be the upset here where the Hawks may be sneaking across for their first win. Uh, but unfortunately, no, went down by nine points to Port Adelaide. For Port Adelaide, uh, Bacala Palmer, who's the cruise rookie, made her debut and also kicked a goal. Shy Bolton for Port Adelaide was outstanding with her attack on the ball. And there was actually two points in it at half time, which the Hawks must have thought they were in with a chance here. Unfortunately, though, uh, the Hawks were held scoreless in the second quarter. And Port Adelaide only managed to point in the third, but then kicked two in the final to ensure the win. Monique Collett was best, absolute best on ground there for the Hawks. For Port, the goals come from Wanganin, she kicked three. Courtney Fredder, Bacara Palmer, uh, and Lanya Lachlan kicking singles. Best on ground, as I mentioned, Shia Hiscock, Renee Richardson, uh, Lauren Beck, Lauren Daniel, and Simone McDonald. For the Hawks, goals came from Carissa Searle with two. Tony Pearson and Monique Hollick slotted one for herself. Best there, just repeat some of these names, Monique Hollick, Chris Russell, Jeff Meachin, Caitlin Teague and Casey Collins. And let's have a look forward to round eight action this weekend. Uh, on Saturday at 6.30pm at Salisbury Oval, the Magpies hosting Modbury. Yes, so this one should be an interesting game. I think that would have given the Hawks a little bit of a glimmer of hope, um, getting some goals on the board and getting close to Port Adelaide. Even though Salisbury have been without some players, I think after what happened last weekend, uh, Richard will be on to the girls. And Salisbury at home, I'm predicting Salisbury to take the win out there over the Hawks. Two games on Sunday, both beginning at 3pm. First of all, at Cullet Reserve, Morverville Park hosting Port Adelaide. Yeah, the uh, the Roos after how close they got to Adelaide Uni, I think will be absolutely 
cock a hoop and we're ready to go to swoop down on the Magpies and take out a win on Kellett Reserve. Uh, Port Adelaide, I think, will battle on strongly. They've got some good attacking players, but the Roos were starting to look very slick and the best games I saw of them was last weekend. So I'm pretty sure home ground advantage will rule supreme and the Roos will take that one out. And at University Oval, Adelaide Uni hosting West Adelaide. This one should be a cracker. If the Roos got a little bit close to Uni, that would give Westies a lot of heart. It is back at um, Uni's home ground, and I'm really interested to see how this one pans out. I'm still tipping Uni for the win, but if anyone can push them, I think the Westies will be in with a good shot. Well, Alison, thank you very much for taking a look at the Adelaide Footy League women's competition. Before I let you go, the uh, news was announced that Beck Goddard will be coaching the senior allies side as part of the AFLW origin match on September 2nd at Etihad Stadium as you take on the Victorians. Yes, and uh, I saw some of the names there from the Troys, and, and I'm pretty sure you'll be glad one Sarah Perkins will be playing for the Victorians. But if you think about it, we've got Aaron Phillips, Chelsea Randall, Ebony Marinoff and Courtney Cramey in the side for the Allies, which I'm absolutely wrapped with those players getting the run. There's only one name I need to worry about, and that is Debbie Lee, the coach of Victoria, because let me put it to you this way. The Victorian women's have only lost one ever match two years ago against WA by a couple of points at Subiaco. The reason they lost... Debbie Lee was not there that day. On every other occasion, Debbie Lee has either been playing or helping coach the Victorian women's team. And with her at the helm, they have never been beaten. Well, I suppose there is a first for everything. Maybe I'll have to send her some of um, Josh Jenkins' budgie hand just to see if I can keep her off the track on the day. Would you mind if I do that, Peter? Uh, No. Alison, thanks very much for joining (laughs) us. And we'll catch you next week. Not a problem. Thanks, Peter. And that concludes the program for another week. A quick reminder that our RSN Carnival matches of the round this week include the game between the VU Western Spurs and Seaford Tigerettes. We'll be bringing you that game with an 11.30am bounce down on RSN Carnival this Saturday morning. And then on Sunday, we're on air from 1pm for a 2pm bounce down for the Diamond Creek versus St Kilda Sharks match at Plenty War Memorial Park. Remember, you can listen via digital radio in Melbourne to search for RSN Carnival or go to Google Play or iTunes and download the RSN Racing and Sport app and then just click on Carnival. I'm Peter Holden. Until next time, it's bye for now.